Tim had this goofy idea of rubbing coffee and lavender on the outside of this cheddar. And so we kind of developed and pioneered a whole new segment of cheeses in America. Now there's lots of companies out there doing what we do, but we were kind of the firstest with the mostest, and we did a really good job, won a bunch of awards, and now we are known as the rubbed rind pioneers from Utah. And when we come out with cheeses, they're like, what will those goofballs think of next? And then all of a sudden we win an international award. Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast from Mazuma that shares motivational stories from small business owners. I'm Greg. And I'm Ben. And we're your hosts for this episode. Today, we're talking with Pat, the owner of Beehive Cheese. Pat, welcome. Thank you. So, Pat, I want to hear more about how you came up with your business name. But first of all, let's uh, start with you. Don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, first off, I'm the co-owner of Beehive Cheese. My partner's in the other room, and I better give him credit because he's the reason we're here. Well, if he'd had told me when I was uh, 12 years old that I was going to be a cheesemaker in Utah, I would have laughed at you. But here we are. I, we got into this crazy business as kind of a midlife crisis. My brother-in-law called me up. I was a real estate guy. He was a software guy, both from Ogden, Utah. He married my sister. We mowed our way through college. We had a little landscaping company together. And we kind of have a saying here, we have a good thing going, let's not screw it up. But we really do have a lot of fun. I'm the sales guy, he's the ops guy. We let the business take us places that we never would have been otherwise. Tim's judged in England and Spain and just been all over the world judging competitions and I've been in practically every city in America now, it seems like. So we've seen a lot of fun things, made a lot of good friends with cheese. Did you have a history with cheese making or how did this idea just come up one day that he's able to call you up and tell you, let's go make cheese? Yeah, I think on your website, you say that you only had eight days of cheese making experience before you guys decided to start this business. The eight days of cheese making experience was invaluable, but we had we had jumped in the deep end of the pool. We had built a facility. We had quit our jobs. We were all in. And there was a renaissance around the 2000s to 2005 in artisan chocolate, salami, bread, cheese, beer, wine, everything. And Tim's a real foodie and we complement each other because he's the ops guy. He's real technical, real geeky about that. And I'm the sales, marketing, creative guy. And so we complement each other so well and we do totally different things. Tim and I, neither of us came from the food industry. We didn't know about distribution. We didn't know a lot. But one of the most valuable things that we did do is we did our research on other companies doing similar things and we set our price point very high to start with. And so you can always come down, but it's tough to go up. And so we had enough profit margin in there to take care of growing and building a business. That speaks to a good salesman too. <laughs> if, you get, if you have a high price and you're still moving the product, that's <laughs> tributes to you as the seller. So I thought cheese took months or years to age. 
Is that not it the does. case? Oh, okay. <laughs> it totally is the case. And so that was actually one of our dilemmas when we first started. So Tim and I went up to Utah State University in Logan, Utah. They have what they call a Western Dairy Center, and they are renowned for dairy science. They're one of the top five research institutions in the whole country. And they look out across the Cache Valley and they say, there's Schreiber, there's Gosner, and there's Cache Valley cheese. Between the three of them, they make a million pounds of cheese a day. And you want to put them out of business. And we're like, no, we want to make artisan cheese. And at the time, if you went into Harmon's, for instance, Harmon's was way ahead of everybody else in Utah. They would have some beautiful French and Italian and German and Dutch cheeses, but not really American cheeses. And so once we kind of convinced them that America was going to start making great artisan cheeses, they kind of took note and said, okay. And we rented their facility. We made 400 pounds of cheese so that we would have at least something to sell when we opened our doors. And then we made cheese and started aging it. And then that's where the patience comes in. I see. (laughs) Okay, so you make the cheese and then it just sits there. Sits there for about six months to a year, depending on the cheese. And that's a little tough on cash flow, as you can well imagine. That was another huge barrier to entry for us. So let's say you're a dairyman and I come to you and say, hey, I want to buy your milk. And they look at you and they say, okay, I've got three questions for you. You promise you're going to come every day because I'm milking every day. Two, how are you going to pay me? You're not going to get paid for this cheese for six months and you're buying my milk today. And oh, by the way, I have a two-year contract with Dairy Farmers of America. Why don't you call me in two years when it expires? And so it was a huge problem, but we went up to Gosner up in Logan, told him what we were doing, had a business plan. We showed it to him. She says, I like you guys. I've done business with all of these 160 dairies for 80 years on handshakes. Let's go. And so we picked out a dairy and they trusted us that we were going to pay them. And sure enough, it's been a beautiful relationship for 17 years now. You mentioned Harmon's and the cheeses there. It reminded me when we used to live in Draper, Utah, my wife's favorite thing to do was to go to Harmon's, get a little bit of artisan cheese and some gelato, and then go upstairs and just sit there and eat it. That was our date night, as exciting as that sounds. So (laughs) I'm familiar with it. You know, Harmon's and many, many other retailers around the country, I mentioned making friends with cheese. That is our slogan. But we were actually at a Slow Foods event, and the president of Harmon's, I mean, there was Bob and Randy that you see, but they weren't the president. He came up to us and said, why are we not buying your cheese? And we at the time were pretty dang new, and we didn't, in our wildest dreams, think we were going to make it in Harmon's. Next thing we know, we're in Harmon's, and we do business with Harmon's every single week. We ship them cheese, and they are amazing. In fact, my wife, that's her sole job at Beehive Cheese. She takes care of Harmon's. And so there's a 100 Harmon's out there in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and we love those independent retailers because... If there's a problem, they get on the phone, they call you up, say, I've got mold on my cheese, and we figure it out. I don't just get a truckload of cheese back and say, oh, you had a problem with a great big retailer. But we do do business with big retailers as well, but we love our independence. You mentioned as you were getting going, just some of the struggles of 
getting started from a personal standpoint, what did that look like from a, a scheduling standpoint? I mean, was this a 24 seven thing you were, you were all in and how did you balance all of that? So Tim and I would come in here and we would make cheese and we had a great big buzzer on the front door so that if somebody opened the front door to come in our shop, we would know that I needed to sneak away and go sell some cheese in the shop. We had a huge bell on the phone so that we could answer the phone. I would take off on Wednesday afternoons up to go up to Park City and work the farmer's market. And then I'd take off on Saturdays and my niece and my daughter and Tim and Britt and all of the kids would go their separate ways because farmer's market was a really great way to get our name out there. Tim would be back here making cheese, doing all the accounting and operations business. So we worked a lot. And then I'd get on a plane and fly to Oakland and try to sell some cheese in the Bay Area or Houston. And all of a sudden, we started picking up a few distributors. I was managing transportation, which I was not very good at. There was no one else to do it. But We just were all hands on deck. We wore tons of hats and we tried to stay as focused as we could and not just go scatter willy nilly every, every direction. I'm going to pry just a little bit. So don't, you know, share as much as you want to on this, but going back 17 years ago, I think a lot of people hear this story and think, Oh, well, they must have had a load of cash to start this thing with. They must have been rich and just had the capital to wait out that six month period or to buy the raw materials to make this work. What did that first batch look like in terms of the economics and how did you make it work financially? And that is a absolutely perfect question. I mean, most, most entrepreneurs that fail fail because they run out of cash. Right. And I wish it was only six months. It was almost three years. So our, First two years in business. In fact, when I told my wife we were going to quit our jobs and make cheese and, oh, we need to invest money and, oh, we probably won't get paid for a couple of years. Well, that was absolutely right. We got our first paycheck at two years in December and we made $500 a month for the next year. So we didn't make any money. So you better go into it knowing you better have some beans and rice in your closet because your cash flow is king. We... Tim and I made all the cheese along with our kids and our wife, and we didn't hire a whole bunch of people. And we were at farmers markets, seven farmers markets a week. We didn't have to pay ourselves. We just had enough in the bank to subside, basically. That's good. I think it illustrates the hustle and the grit that is required to just make it happen. And it's cool that you guys have done that. Yeah, there has to be a lot of vision to last that long. And sometimes entrepreneurs, we start with that vision. But after uh, six months, a year of not getting paid, we can start doubting that vision and wondering if this thing's ever going to become a steady flow of income, let alone fulfilling our dream of being in Harmons or whatever that goal is. How did you hold the course? How did you not question so much that uh, you ended up giving up? Well, it was funny. Just yesterday, Tim and I were kind of reminiscing a little bit, but I remember he left town. We have a little coffin cheese case that's like three foot by seven foot. And at night, we put a blanket over the top of it to basically keep the cold in. 
And I remember specifically waiting until Tim left town so I could go to Home Depot, spent $26 on a piece of foam that I put on top of the case because I thought it was important to save energy. We still have that pink foam broken piece of plastic on our case. And so you've got to spend within your means. And we could have grown faster, but it would have meant going out and getting a loan or going out and getting an equity or selling part of our business. And we didn't want to do that. So I didn't really get too specific on how we funded this to your previous question, but we went to family and we said, you probably will never see any money again, but do you have 50 grand you want to invest? And we did. We raised basically a half a million dollars. And that was our startup money and our subsistence money. We built the creamery. We're still making cheese in the exact same facility we started in. And we're maxing out right now. And that'll be our next chapter of what we're going to do next. But, you know, we were able to invest and be super frugal over the years. I alluded to this in the beginning, but I'm interested in the, the thought behind the name. How did you come up with the name? So beehive cheese, we're in the beehive state, and we wanted to bring back the local creamery. And so we love the name beehive. It just has all sorts of industry and whatever connotations, and we really like that. And something that's been interesting, again, pioneers, Utah, whatnot, the artisan cheese industry kind of didn't exist except for a very small handful of great cheesemakers around 2000, 2005. And so when we came away from Utah State where they gave us a recipe for a cheddar cheese that they'd been working on forever, we thought this is a beautiful cheese, but you've seen a really nice cheese case with two or 300 cheeses in it. You better do something that's going to catch somebody's attention or you're not going to be there in six months. And so Tim had this goofy idea of rubbing coffee and lavender on the outside of this cheddar. And so we kind of developed and pioneered a whole new segment of cheeses in America. Now there's lots of companies out there doing what we do. But we were kind of the firstest with the mostest, and we did a really good job, won a bunch of awards, and now we are known as the rubbed rind pioneers from Utah. And when we come out with cheeses, they're like, what will those goofballs think of next? And then all of a sudden we win an international award. Well, Pat, it seems like your business is mostly family run. So I'm interested in getting your perspective on some of the pros and cons of running and living in a family business? Partnerships are hard and partnerships fail way more than they succeed. But the beautiful thing about family is you know who you're dealing with. For instance, if I need to write a $50 credit memo in QuickBooks for a customer, Tim pleads with me not to do it because it takes him an hour to figure out what I screwed up (laughs) if I do it. So that is not my forte. And my forte is developing relationships and selling cheese. And so the beautiful thing about family is you've grown up with these people. You know what they're good at. You know what they're bad at. You let them do what they're good at. I mean, case in point, 
my boy, and I joked, but it's real, is my boss now. He manages our sales department. We have seven people in our sales department. I was a player coach from the get-go, and I love to play, but I'm a terrible coach. And so he took over the sales management. Britton, Tim's boy, is the president of our company, and he's phenomenal at doing things, and they're bringing perspectives into the business now. They're in their 30s, early 30s. We're in our 60s, and you millennials want different things than the old guys. And so we just kind of get out of their way and let them do stuff. So we've loved family. Obviously, it's not all peaches and cream, but for the most part, we have boundaries and we respect each other's ability to do what they do well, and we keep them away from what they don't. Yeah, yeah it sounds like that you're describing a good combination of humility and respect. Exactly. That's so great to know. And, and it's great insight. I'm interested, you having gone through and experienced that now, what advice would you give to other people who are in partnerships or starting businesses with families or things like that? I think Ben hit it on the head. Respect and humility. Admit when you're doing something wrong and don't take it personally. It's business. And on Saturday, when you're at a family party and we don't have an emergency, we don't talk shop because you don't need to talk shop 24 hours a day, every day of the week. And it's like, that can wait till Monday. We'll deal with it unless it's an emergency, of course. But yeah, you know, you just have a life family balance and you continue to do fun things with your kids and your family and the business alone for the week. That's great advice. We always like to connect the business to you as an individual and your character and your personality and your individual growth. Are there things that have come up in the business that have translated into lessons learned for your personal life? I think if you've got a well-run business, it totally reflects you as an individual. And if you don't like what you're seeing, you better look in the mirror because it's, I mean, just for instance, COVID hit and we have two customers. We've got food service, which is schools, restaurants, hospitals, institutions, all that. And so when COVID hit, bam, overnight, no business, everybody shut down. The second part of the business is retail and all the retail specialty food cheese counters are run through the deli departments. Guess what happened to all of them instantly? They shut them all down. So instantly we have zero business. We're still buying milk. We have to pay for it in one month. And if we have no POs, then we better slow down because our cash flows, we're going to get strangled. And so we went from making four days a week to one day a week. We went to all of our employees and we asked for anybody that they'd be willing to cut back hours. And it was amazing. We laid off or furloughed three people. My wife on her 60th birthday, that went over well. <laughs> my sister and my daughter. And so all of our employees, we have 50 employees now. Every one of them said, I will work one day a week if I have to. But it's just about, we're not just going to fire people and say, oh, sorry, COVID hit. We have no control. We figured out ways. We all took cuts in pay. We all subsided just to be able to get through it. And we came out of it just fine. Wow. Yeah. And so that definitely speaks to what you were saying. 
they must have respected you as an individual and as an employer in order to not just take that opportunity to run and find somewhere else. Well, Pat, as we wrap up here, we just want to end with our golden question that we always close with. And that is, uh, despite the challenges and work that it is of running a business, what is it that keeps you going every day? I joke about it, but making friends with cheese is so fun. It is so gratifying to go in a small cheese shop in Louisville, Kentucky, and there's your cheese. It's like, (laughs) wow, how cool is that? And then you'll introduce yourself and they'll just say, oh, I love this cheese, and they'll go on. And so we're just making friends with cheese, and we have a lot of fun doing that. That's great. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Pat. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and your business. And thanks for sharing that with us. We wish you all continued success. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you or someone you know would like to share your small business story, please go to mazumausa.com slash keep going and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. And if you are looking for tax advice for your small business, be sure to join our Keep Going Facebook group and check out our website at mazumausa.com.